Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program, asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. We apologize for the delay, we had some technical issues. Welcome to Al-Bayan Live, I'm your host Abu Abdurrahman, and I'm very pleased to be joined by my dear Sheikh, Sheikh Jalal al-Shami. Assalamu alaykum, dear Sheikh. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you today? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, doing good. It's good to have you. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, barakallahu feekum. As we were talking off air, yeah. it's been a week since Eid, since no. Ramadan finished, no. and it has been a bit of a weird week for us because uh, pretty much everything is off, mm-hmm. and uh, visiting family, the Eid show, we were just discussing. Mm-hmm. How's your week been since since the, the end of Ramadan, which is quite sad, and the happiness of Ramadan, uh, Eid, mm. and, and the visiting of family, and, and, and so on and so forth. How's it been? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, yeah, so we had Eid on Saturday and we all know that this year there was a bit of controversy with the beginning of Eid So as I've mentioned in some of my lessons, يعني, every beginning of Eid and, uh, or beginning of Ramadan and end of Ramadan and Eid is Especially for many of the Mashaykh, it's soured by you know the constant uh, discussions and disputes and bickering and confusions and questions and so on uh, subhanallah this year I, I yani, really tried to uh, yani, not spoil you know I th- and that's something I advised a lot of um, my brothers and sisters in my masjid and so on don't let these issues spoil your spoil your uh, your heart don't let it spoil your mood don't let it make you forget all the goodness that that was in your Ramadan don't make it lose don't make these upsetting moments make you lose hope in the community, in your leadership, in your faith. Um, you know, and, and we have to be very careful about spreading these type of things and giving it more um, attention than it's due. At the time, it's like, you know, the, the most important thing in the world. I told them, look, everyone's talking about it today, but wallahi, mark my words, by tomorrow, no one will be talking about it anymore. You know, and look, you know, Sahih was an as a sad situation, but you know, life goes on. We have to look at the bigger picture. You know, 100%. we don't want to uh, because there are many people. We ourselves, we are of weak faith, and think of and if you are, let's say, more confident in your faith, think of the people who have weak faith in your family, in your friends, in your extended family, who their religion is holding on to a thread. Don't. Try not to expose them to these problems. And if they are exposed, يعني, try to help them navigate it. Try to not make them... You have people who, they're barely religious. And they're talking about these things. And they're debating these things. And they're putting their two cents worth. And I think it was Sheikh Abu Bakr, may Allah preserve him, who was on the program before he went back overseas. And he mentioned those who understand... Uh, the valid difference of opinions and the differing according to the you know valid opinions in Islam no. they don't let this be a cause of hatred and looking down at others no. and this is really a, a very good point for our brothers and sisters if you truly understood the topic in the right way when there's valid difference of opinion and, 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 and it all stems in the understanding of the various proofs this shouldn't let you have hatred or anger towards your brothers and sisters, especially the people of knowledge, people of experience, the leaders in our community. No. And underline the word valid difference of opinion, meaning this is, has a source in Islam. 
this 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 view that someone holds on to has a source of Islam yeah. and the ulama have this have this uh, opinion. Yeah. But as you said exactly, there is general folk who should only really be asking and take from a God-fearing sheikh who's on the right way and move on with their life in reality. But they've made it delve in. And, and this is what I really want to talk about today, this sheikh, is that you don't want it to be a negative cause for you to stray after Ramadan and then really miss the whole purpose of Ramadan, which is taqwa. Yeah. Yeah, I, just to yani, make one point on that, I think I think for a lot of people, it really opened up a big question in terms of who is my reference point? Who's my marja'iyah? Who's my sheikh? Who's my jama'ah? You know, at the end of the day, that's what I said to people. You know, people can have difference of opinion, but then at the end of the day, who do you pray with? You know, if someone in Honolulu has Eid on, on a day, like, of course, it would upset me if they're having Eid on a different day. But in reality, practically, what's it really going to change for me and those who are immediate to me? I know for some people it was a big problem for because within the same household yes. sometimes or within the same family and relatives, it was an issue. But really, that's that's a bigger issue. I think when you have someone that you know and you trust and you have the same values uh, in terms of your religion and what you consider to be correct in the religion and you trust them in their religion and their God-fearingness and their knowledge, then that's what's that's that's what's important, and and sometimes there are issues that have valid differences of opinion. So it's 100%. not it's not an issue of if I adopt this opinion, then the other opinion is is automatically necessarily incorrect, you know. But of course, the, the, each opinion has some valid perspectives and have some valid points. Of course, we'd wish for since both opinions are valid, can be taken, then why not just agree on one? Of course. That's a discussion really for the for the people who call the shots for the leaders. But for common folk, it's very important for us not to um, get involved because sometimes the common folk actually exacerbate the problem because a lot of the leaders, they base their decisions and their stubbornness sometimes based on their followings. And they say, but our followings want this from us. And so we have to be true to our followers. So it's, uh, we'll ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to rectify affairs. I want, yani, uh, as I said, that don't let these issues uh, that had happened in, in regards to Eid spoil uh, our, our Ramadan and what we achieved in Ramadan, what Ramadan was about. Yes. Under the great act of worship now. Now, uh, dear viewers, dear listeners, you can <coughs> leave your questions and feedback for the Sheikh, Barakallah Fi, on our uh, YouTube channel, Albion Radio Australia, in the comments there, and also Facebook, ASWJ Australia. And the Sheikh will take genuine questions and feedback. We got our first comment for you, Sheikh, from your beloved brother, Muhammad Khadr, Tahoor Sheikh. He's picked up something. Yes, yeah, There is something in your voice. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. I think a lot of people, it's it, it's hard to find someone who hasn't got some cough or cold, but I think I've uh, started with something, inshallah. We're not going to mention the, um, that, that illness, that sickness. Yeah, well, yeah. Allahu Alam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get banned. Yeah, but subhanallah, going back to discussing Eid, that you know, Eid was on a weekend, and then we had a public holiday as well on uh, Monday. No, we had it was a normal day, but a lot of people took it as a public uh, that's, public that's, holiday. That's Tuesday known. was public holiday. Uh, the kids returned to school on Wednesday, so it's uh, it's been sort of you know, and then we had the Eid show this weekend, so it's sort of still sort of Eid. 
Eid vibes. For those who don't know, the Sheikh is the Imam of ASWJ Reevesby, but have the programs resumed there yet, or they're going to resume? I know that, yeah, some brothers, they came ready to attend the lesson, the regular lesson that we have on Friday nights. But I told them, you know, still in Eid mode, we'll leave it for next week, inshallah, starting because we have the first Friday of the month a guest speaker. So, inshallah, we'll start kick it off with that yeah, it looks like pretty much all the places Masjid al-Azhar Bilm are the same the, all the lessons resume on Monday and I'm, I'm pretty sure most of the other messages and yeah. Islamic centers Sheikh we titled today's program Life After Ramadan yeah. but as we were talking before now we all you know we all want to stick firm to Ramadan, what we were doing in Ramadan mm. uh, and we got to be practical it's not going to be at the same level for most people mm. the, the vibe of Ramadan the spiritual high everyone fasting going to the masjid now, sometimes after Ramadan, we can sometimes be too negative towards others, and this may be a cause to turn them further away from the religion. No. How do we combat this? And I, I know you wanted to discuss this particularly, mm. you know, when we're sometimes too too pessimistic, if you like to say, mm. or too negative towards someone. You're not going to the masjid anymore. You're not praying mm. the night prayer. You're not fasting. Yes, we want to do all this stuff. Yeah. But sometimes we can maybe, without meaning it, turn someone off yeah so uh, i would say that i think this is a common problem that we have among some preachers um uh, that sometimes they get uh, maybe we're maybe i myself yani, am i a victim of this that sometimes we get too uh emotionally i would say um uh, uh excited about a certain issue uh that uh, and, and and that we sort of demand or expect things from people that aren't necessarily Islamically expected. No. And so, you know, uh, and so, uh, or for example, uh, we may have high expectations, or unreasonable expectations of people. Uh, we may, for example, uh, uh, try to enforce something that's not actually uh, religiously enforced, but rather it is a... Uh, a, a uh, uh, a voluntary or optional thing or or an aspect of of perfection you know and and this i, re- I remember learning this lesson from our beloved sheikh sheikh zuhair actually um. where a verse that you know subhanallah the certain verses you hear almost on a weekly basis you know they've heard so many times but subhanallah the sheikh gave me a, a nice sort of way of looking at when allah says inna allah ya'muru bil adli wal ihsan that Allah commands adil. Literally, adil is justice. Well, ihsan is uh, goodness. So that's often how it's translated. Adli wal ihsan. That Allah commands uh, justice and goodness. So a lot of people, they just take it sort of on face value. But another way of looking at it is that adil is that which is right, that which is obligatory. And ihsan is that which is more. You know, so for example, when it comes to business transaction, and that was the context actually, Sheikh shared that when it comes to business transactions, I was like, it doesn't matter, he should let him off anyway, it's not a big deal. So, only a, you know, in relative terms, it wasn't a big deal, let him off. He goes, No, we first have to address what's right, and then we can address whether it's good for him to let him off or, or to pay that extra or not make a big deal out of it. Address what's right first, even when it comes to religious obligations, let's address what's halal what's haram what's wajib first and then talk about the extra things and that's sometimes subhanallah sometimes especially some preachers and so on they may have like good intention doing that trying to encourage people you know here for example in ramadan you know talking about how the salaf were in in ramadan you know that they would you know read the whole quran you know uh, in one night 
You know, even though it is, it is uh, narrated from even some of the Sahaba, like uh, Uthman bin Affan and others, some would read the Quran twice, some would read the Quran in one day, one night. You think, how would it be even physically possible to do that? And some, I remember listening to a lecture by Sheikh Shankhiti, Hafizahullah, about his father, where, where Sheikh Shankhiti was saying that once he asked his father, is it possible for a person to read the whole Quran? And he was. And he's saying when, يعني, when his father was alive, rahimahullah, uh, that he was sort of expressed like, like it's a bit far-fetched, you know, could it, could it be? He said, yes, it's possible. Yes, it's possible. Yes, it's, it's, it's true. But he didn't want to say it. And then he sort of blurted it out indirectly that I've done that. You know, the, the father of Sheikh uh, Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah, wa hafizullah al-Sheikh, wa saddada. But sometimes, يعني, some of these stories, uh, uh, they could be يعني, they could be true and valid, but they're just so unbelievable. And as well, sometimes they're portrayed to people as if this, as if this is an expectation of everyone. This isn't necessarily an expectation of everyone. Yes, sometimes we share these stories to be an encouragement, but then it could act as a negative in a negative way to some people. Well, I can't do that. That I'm not a good enough Muslim, so I'm not even going to try to do anything. So. So uh, just generally that sort of attitude, I think, uh, even though it's done with good intention, I think there has to be balance in the way that we address things. That we have to address things in Adil and then Ihsan. Now even when it comes to Ramadan and life after Ramadan, we have this attitude sometimes that's promoted by many people, maybe even myself, you know, that it's as if you're a hypocrite, you know, that look how you were in Ramadan, you used to fast and pray and come to the masjid now after the Ramadan, you know, it's like you're a hypocrite, right? It's like you're, you, you go back to your old ways and so on. Now, even though there is a measure of truth, there are some people like that who are two-faced, you know, when it comes to Ramadan. And there are some people, يعني, subhanAllah, they, they are more committed in Ramadan uh, in terms of you know, attending the masjid and doing the talaweeh prayers and, and, and so on. But it's not that they are doing it for, they have some ulterior motive. And Ramadan is special. And I would say there's two things that make Ramadan special. First of all, it's been special from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu he said that this is a blessed month. The gates of the paradise are open. And all of the gates are open, not one gate is left closed. And the gates of the hellfire are shut, and not one of the gates is left open. Right? So, so uh, Ramadan is special, special from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, naturally, you find the hearts of the believers incline you more towards um, good deeds and finding it easier to overcome and resist temptation, pardon me, and sin, and the, and the devils are chained. So there's something special in Ramadan. And to expect from people to be outside Ramadan as they are in Ramadan, then Ramadan won't be special. You know? Mm. So we have to be reasonable and realistic in our expectation of people. The second thing that makes Ramadan different is that it's, Ramadan is very communal. That what encourages people to come because everyone's coming. What encourages people to come to the, the masjid and pray the night prayers and even the fasting because it's very communal. And and that's what makes it so hard after Ramadan that you don't have that communal support. Um, so even though, subhanAllah, our religion is balanced. Our religion is balanced. We have certain acts of worship that are done communally, 
like even the five daily prayers are done communally, Salat al-Jum'ah is done communally, Ramadan is generally a very communal activity, uh, Hajj is a very communal activity as well. Uh, and as well, there are acts of worship that are done uh, individually, even privately. Okay, And that's to give a balance. You know, SubhanAllah, the Sharia, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the Sharia in a very wise way because not everything should be done only in a community all the time. Uh, Islam wants to build in us that, that, that community in which we support one another uh, and strengthen one another and, that, and, and there are blessings and beauty in that. And as well, Islam wants to build within us our private connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in our private prayers, for example, in our night prayers that are done, especially outside of Ramadan, that are done privately. In our personal, for example, uh, uh, dua, for example. Or for example, when we fast, uh, outside of Ramadan, generally you fast uh, yeah, and on days where other people aren't going to be fasting. So it develops in that person their own personal relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these private worships help a person to be more sincere. And they, because even though public worships should be done sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but sometimes a person's intention could be, uh, yani could be, I would say, um, challenged. But generally with private worships, there is more of a safety that a person would would, um, uh, would do worships more uh, generally, especially when they're done secretly. Um, it doesn't mean that all worships should be done individually or secretly because this is a challenge that we have to do and there is a greater benefit sometimes in doing worships um, uh, communally or publicly. Yeah, so I think it's very important not to, um, so to, to summarize the point, it's important not to be too negative and to have unrealistic um, expectations of people uh, and as well to see that Ramadan is something unique and special. Um, uh, in, in, in what it is. And then inshallah that will lead us to the second point. So what can we do practically to... Um, uh, to maintain good deeds in Ramadan. That's what we'd like our, our listeners and our viewers to contribute, uh, whether on YouTube, Facebook, and even on TikTok, for the brothers and sisters watching live on TikTok. Leave your comments and suggestions and feedback there. What do you think is some advice for life after Ramadan? Practical advice to maintain your faith and maintain a, a, you know, a, a good level of Iman. So I have a few comments, Sheikh. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Jalal, for explaining the issue. Uh, the issues, I think, he's he's referring to what we be be what we uh, said at the start of the program. We also have Allah reward the host and the guest. Allah reward you as well for listening, dear brother. Barakallah fikum. We have another question, but we'll leave it to the end. How do you push your spouse to study and stay steadfast? Maybe we'll leave that to the end. Sure. Sheikh, um, now we hear you know a lot of in the khutab, and I'm sure we even mention it regarding uh, being steadfast after Ramadan and istiqama. No. And especially since many people may drop off and some drop off completely. And we know there is going to be a drop. It's, it's, it's expected. Many people don't maintain mm-hmm. their level of, of, of uh, night prayer, for example, or fasting or you know, even, even giving sadaqah. So where should we start if someone has sort of in this past week, let's say, sort of dropped back, dropped back more than he should have? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, Yani... Uh, we see generally with acts of worship, we see that Islam has has, oblig- has legislated for us obligatory acts of worship and then given us voluntary acts of worship. So for example, the five daily prayers, we have the five daily prayers and then we have the extra acts of worship, the sunnah prayers that are done either before the prayer or after the prayer. 
and these are really a way for us to maintain the connection uh, with those worships and as well to act as a buffer and to act as an extra cause of reward and as well a way of expiating any deficiencies that were done in our obligatory worships. And so the same thing with our fasting. We have our obligatory fasting in Ramadan, but as well we have a voluntary fasting that is done before Ramadan, even after after Ramadan, like for example, fasting the six days of Shawwal. And so and maybe a person, uh, yani for example, after Ramadan, definitely the day of Eid is a day that is forbidden to fast. And then uh, from the day afterwards, a person can fast the, the six days of Shawwal. Uh, why does a person do that? First of all, a fulfillment of the Sunnah, of the command of the Prophet ﷺ. But as well, it's, a, it's an opportunity for him not to break with those acts of worship that were so dear to him and, and he fell in love with in Ramadan, you know, that we got so in love with the atmosphere of Ramadan, with the fasting and coming together as a family, breaking our fast, uh, and going to the masjid, those vibes and those, uh, subhanAllah, heightened sense, sense of, of spirituality and, and closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's really those six days of, uh, of, of fasting, a way of of giving the extra motivation uh, to fast with the Prophet Sallallahu he said whoever fasts Ramadan and then fa- follows it by fasting six days of Shawwal there will be as if he has fast for eternity um, so this is a big encouragement for us to, to fast and just by the way as a, as a fiqh issue that only the day of Eid is forbidden to fast a person can start fasting from the from the following day and it doesn't have to be uh, um يعني, uh, after each other يعني, you can fast some people for example break it up and fast Mondays and Thursday Monday and Thursday Monday and Thursday until the end of the month some people like to fast them straight away some people for example as we were discussing earlier that you know the first couple of days you're visiting people and so on and so you don't want to cause any um, uh, discomfort or, or, or uh, anything like that so some people for example the first couple of days on their Eid days when they're visiting people and enjoying their time with their families maybe not fast but then there's that encouragement that one that period is over to to reinitiate uh, the, the, the acts of worship because Shaka, it, is a, it is a lot easier to, to do it straight away because you're still in the groove of fasting you, your body yeah. used to it and the thing is that sometimes, and this has happened even to me, and this is something, as I said, it's very important for preachers. And when they preach, they preach in reality. Because there, there is this sort of, and it really, uh, that, that you know, preachers want to preach something that maybe they're not even doing. And this is a big danger. You know, put yourself in this. You're just like any as a preacher, as a teacher, yes. as a sheikh or an imam or whatever. You're just like every other person. You've got your own. Sometimes we justify our own. Oh, I'm busy. I'm um, got a lot of responsibilities, and 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 sort of make excuses for yourself not to do certain things that you may be commanding others to do. But yani, it's very important that yani, we, uh, you know, we have a reality to ourselves and our lives, and we've got challenges just like. Other people do, and everyone does, and we're all in the boat together. And there's no one who has a a better standing or with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala based on their merit, based on their title. Yes. So so <clears throat> so uh, yes. Some people they do, uh, and you like to um, uh, start their fast straight away. Some people they like to delay it, but 
what it's even happened to me that I, I still got a whole month I delay the first week oh, and I then the second week and then the third week and then you're finding yourself in the last week of Shawwal and trying Rushing to rush in. and even I remember that you know because the month can be 29 or 30 days I had one day left subhanallah and it was 29 days and I missed and I remember our Sheikh 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 Abdul Muhsin Al-Abbad Hafizahullah in, in Medina asked him I sent a question to him that if I missed if it was the last day of Shawwad that I had and I missed the month because the month was shorter he goes Khalas you missed it and today subhanAllah I was asked the same question by a brother he said that you know, if I'm unable to, to fast uh, in Shawwal and I, can I fast after them? No, because these are these are sp- uh, specified worships. They have a, they're in a specific time, and so th- there must be fast in Shawwal. So some people <coughs> they like to fast out of fear of a taswif. We say in Arabic, mm-hmm. so for I will, I will, I will procrastination. So, so yani this is uh, this is not not something bad. Yani as we there's an Arabic saying, yani that the best of good deeds are those that are done first and foremost. And generally, this is something That's what good. Some yani. of the ulama said it's better to do it straight away because you're rushing to fulfill the good deeds. Uh, no, no. Uh, but a person, but there's no harm. Yes. Uh, for example, in delaying it for a good reason. For example, you need to bring, you know, so that they can, he can bring happiness and so on, delight to his family. This is also Sheikh, uh, a good thing to do. Uh, just one more point, like alluding or regards to what you mentioned before that, you know, Ramadan is special. Mm. Subhanallah al I find that personally, and I've discussed with some brothers, that it's a lot harder to fast out of Ramadan. Of course. It's a lot harder, isn't it? Of course, because you don't have that, that blessing. Uh, of fasting and as well the communal aspect so 100%. for example I could be fasting six of Shawwal today but you're not you're fasting them for example you've already fasted them for example and so there's that oh you know I'll, I'll fast tomorrow or whatever so there, there isn't that and that's what makes it harder and, and, and so, subhanAllah you find the worships sometimes they're designed to be harder so that the reward will be greater and if for example when it comes to Salah the most rewarding prayer is to pray the obligatory prayer in the masjid. But the most rewarding sunnah prayer, and you're already at the masjid, but it's more rewarding not to pray your sunnah prayer in the masjid, but rather to pray your sunnah prayer in the house. Why? Because when you're at home, what's more easier, to pray the fat prayer at home or to pray in the masjid? It's more easier to pray in the masjid. So you have to get up because, you know, when you pray in the masjid, you're limited by a specific time. There's the iqama time to make it in the jama'ah and so yeah. on. But when you're at home, I'll pray it later. I'm doing this. I'll finish my dinner. I'll having a cup of tea, whatever. Uh, you know, I want to have a shower, whatever. You 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 could possibly delay it. But when you're going to the masjid, you have to rush and, you, you know, you can't be at your own pace. Uh, likewise, when it comes to praying the sunnah prayer in the masjid, ma- many of the brothers they like to pray their sunnah prayer in the masjid. He asks him, brother, why are you praying your sunnah prayer in the masjid? It's more rewarding to pray at home. He goes, oh, I know, but when I get home, I'm going to get lazy. You know, I might use the bathroom. I can't be bothered re- renewing my wudu and I put my pajamas on and so on. I get into bed and now there's, yeah, I might have a meal, I might have, you know, some a snack, whatever, something to eat. And so, yeah, they, or, or they just, they get occupied with something else. I might have the intention. They say, I'll, I'll, I'll do it in the masjid since I'm already here. I already have my wudu. I get it out of the way. So that's why, subhanAllah, sometimes to put that extra effort in a worship is more rewarding. And to do the worship so you don't have anyone helping you is more rewarding. And, and Imam Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, he actually mentions that in his book, Lata'if al-Ma'arif, as to why certain worships 
are, uh, are more rewarding or encourage. And these are two reasons that he mentioned, actually, because they are closer to... Uh, they're closer to being done out of ikhlas, out of sincerity. When, when you're doing worships by yourself, you don't have anyone sort of watching you. And second of all, that you don't have anyone to help you. So it's more of a struggle. And generally when it's more of a struggle, it's more of a reward. Now, so uh, just in regards to initiating the worship after after Ramadan, yani, subhanAllah, uh, human beings are creatures of habit. And our Messenger sallallahu alayhi he, when he would do acts of worship, he would be consistent in them. Uh, that the Prophet when he would do a deed, he would become consistent in it. Would, so, so, and that's, and, and as, even when it comes to fasting, Aisha radiallahu narrates that Rasulullah would fast and would say he's, he's fasting, he's never going to stop fasting. And then sometimes he would break his fast for a period of time, we'd think that he's never going to fast. So sometimes Rasulullah Yani as well, uh, yani would 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 do acts of worship consistently, and and Subhanallah, it's about building those good habits in ourselves. So, for example, in the month of Shawwal, uh, to build that good habit, to initiate it, sometimes just about getting started, because once you get started, then you'll build that habit, and even uh, after Shawwal, to maintain the habit of fasting, Rasulullah advised Abu Huraira as just the minimum thing that he should be doing. He he advised him with three things. He said to pray the duha pray, to fast three days in every month, and to pray the witr before he sleeps. Because they're the minimum worships. Because Abu Hurairah anhu, he would dedicate himself to learning and studying and revising the hadith of the Prophet So he didn't have time to, so that was the worship that he subhanAllah would dedicate himself to. So he didn't have time for the other worships. So instead of praying the night prayer, he would make up the night prayer and pray as a duha prayer. Instead of praying the witr at the end of the night, which generally is more uh, favored, he would pray the, the witr prayer before he sleeps. Instead of fasting, for example, every alternate day or Monday and Thursdays, he would uh, reserve his energy and only fast three days. Uh, and he committed to that because this was the advice of Rasulullah And so he committed that towards his whole life so the scholars they commented on the hadith and why Rasulullah advised these even though we know that night prayer is more rewarding praying at the end of the night the witr is more rewarding fasting alternate days or Monday or Thursday is more rewarding Rasulullah is directing him to the basic and so this is really what we should be doing as a, as a basic level of voluntary actions so to maintain even a basic amount of voluntary actions and so really that goes back to what we're talking about um, in terms of maintaining worships or maintaining ourselves after Ramadan. Consistency is the key, isn't it? Shay? No, and, and even though you won't necessarily maintain that high level of worship as you're doing Ramadan, because as we said, that's special, special conditions, special motivations, special you know, spiritual uh, support, as well as you know, the, the environmental and the communal support, but at least maintain some level. So at least, for example, fast some days in Shawwal, six days at least. Fast some days in the other month, at least three days. And then I have to be consecutive, then I have to be in the three the three white days, even though they're preferred, but it can be any days. So if you miss those days, for example, that's, oh, I've missed it. Fast any of the three days in every month. Uh, if you can't uh, pray the night prayers every night, pray before Isha, uh, sorry, after Isha, before you sleep. It doesn't have to be in the middle of the night. Uh, even just to Raka'ah. Maintain at least the witr prayer, right? 
even if you pray it before you sleep, even though يعني, it's preferred to pray at the end of the night, maintain some level of reading of the Quran consistently. يعني, it's narrated that a person should not leave reading the Quran. يعني, we see it as a huge uh, uh, achievement to do a khatma in Ramadan, to read the Quran completely in Ramadan. Look at our situation, subhanAllah. Even though this should be the regular of a Muslim in every month to read the Quran completely every month, يعني, one just every day consistently. And there's a narration that said, يعني, maximum 40 days. One month, 30 days, but maximum if you, you know, got delayed, maximum 40 days. And how much, subhanAllah, and these are, as we said, in it, of the minimum of the voluntary deeds. Now, definitely something that a Muslim should not, and absolutely there's no option here, uh, uh, be, be reduced in, is in the obligatory deeds. Right? So to maintain the obligatory deeds, to maintain the the prayers, the obligatory prayers, as well part of what's obligatory is staying away from sins. Stay away from major sins. So this is going back to what we mentioned in the beginning, that there are some people who are unfortunately this title of Ramadan Muslims. They only pray in Ramadan. They only stay away from sins in Ramadan. After Ramadan finishes, they go back to neglecting their prayer, they go back to having sins and so on. This is not something that is acceptable at all. But rather, because why did we fulfill the obligations in Ramadan? Why do we stay away from the forbidden actions in Ramadan? Because Allah commanded us to do so. Because Allah is watching us. Well, Allah is not only the Lord of Ramadan, He is the Lord of all the months. He is the Lord of the world, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we have to at least, because this is a... This is a basic requirement. This is al-adil. This is, this is the essential. The essential thing that a Muslim must uphold is to uphold the obligatory actions. And part of upholding the obligatory actions is that it's obligatory to stay away from sin. Now in terms of voluntary things, then we said at least, and of course, maintain some fasting. You know, At least the six days of Shawwal and then three days after that. If you can do more Mondays and Thursdays, even better. Excellent. Uh, in terms of reading the Quran, that's something extra. Read the Quran as much as you can. If you can finish the Quran every month, that's excellent. If you can do more than that, even better. Uh, in terms of night prayers, do night prayers consistently. Not only in and Rasulullah he said, Abdullah yani what an excellent man Abdullah is. If only he used to pray at night. Don't be like so and so. He used to pray at night and then he left the prayer at night. Yani, we we should try to yani, uh, force upon ourselves to develop that habit of praying at night. If not, then at least before we sleep. If not, then at least the witter before we sleep. So it's about maintaining, uh, yani, first of all, affirming the obligatory and then doing the extra deeds. Uh, if not so much, then at least an amount that we personally are able to commit to and maintain and be consistent in. Let's take some questions before we wrap up. Uh, how do you push your spouse to study and stay steadfast? Wallahi, يعني, when it comes to study, يعني, this is uh, a, a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يعني, uh, يعني the Prophet وسلم, he said, uh, whoever Allah wishes good for, He gives him understanding in the religion. 
uh, for a person to be blessed with being a what's considered a student of knowledge and take learning seriously this is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so uh, but there is knowledge that, that is obligatory upon every Muslim just as we said yani there is knowledge that's obligatory on every Muslim now there are some people who even the basic knowledge even when it comes to basically even knowing how to pray knowing how to make wudu knowing how to fast knowing how to give zakat knowing the basics of what they should believe as a Muslim they don't even know this. So we say to such a person, learn your basics at least. You have to as well. Yeah, this is obligatory. So if your spouse doesn't even know the basics, then you should encourage them to learn the basics. They tell them, look, you don't have to be a sheikh, you don't have to be a scholar, but at least know the basics of your religion. Okay? So this is the first thing. The second thing is that to, to encourage and to remind your spouse of the excellence of seeking knowledge. Right? So that could be something that will encourage them you know, to, to be a better Muslim and the rewards and the virtues and so on of uh, of the seek of knowledge. The third thing as well is to remind them to seek knowledge, especially if this person, obviously as a spouse, is married to, to so that they could be role models for their children, you know, so that they could teach their children, so that they could look out for their children. Something is very important because some people, they, they offload that responsibility of educating their children to others to tutors and Qur'an schools and uh, private Islamic schools and, and the sheikh and the masjid or whatever, which is okay. But then how do you know that this person teaching your child in the madrasa or in the school is actually teaching them the correct thing? If you don't know yourself, mm, you know, how are you a role model for your children? You tell them, go and learn Qur'an and you don't even know how to learn Qur'an. Go and learn Islamic schools. Some parents, they are learning from their kids' books. Their children are coming back from their school, from their madrasa, from their uh, scripture classes, whatever, teaching or repeating what they heard. And this is the first time the, the parent has even heard of this. You know, this is a sad reality. Would you accept to be taught by your children? Would you accept for your children to know how to, how to read the Quran and you don't even know how to read the Quran? So we have to be true role models for our children and as well so that we could look out for our children to make sure that they're learning the correct things so these are uh, some things that we can uh, to learn the basic knowledge to remind them of the virtues to as well the responsibility this is part of your responsibility towards your children um, and make dua for your spouse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens their heart because this is a blessing as I said from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to honor us to be students of his sacred knowledge to, to allow us to have the honor of opening our eyes and exposing ourselves to that sacred knowledge. This is a blessing and an honor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In reality, Shaykh, it is a difference between the, the one who sees and the one who is blind. Definitely. Islamic definitely. It lights yani, up the path like, for you. Naam. Yani, subhanallah, you have some people that they dedicate so much time to learning the intricacies of certain worldly knowledge. You know, you ask someone about cars and engines and he'll say this car has this many revs and horsepower and it goes to zero and a hundred and this car is faster than this. Wallahi, and it's very intricate things in cars, in some women when it comes to makeup and so on. No, you can't use this color with this color and this makeup with this. Yani whatever field of knowledge there is, you have people who have so much time, you know, <laughs> They have so much energy and they're willing to vacate so much brain power to this type of information. Is not the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the knowledge of his religion, more worthy than that?
Some people were there willing to, to learn languages for the sake of, uh, sometimes for worldly reasons, you know, they want to travel or for example, they want to get a job. Uh, they're willing to learn even computer languages, programming languages, not even human languages because a software engineer could get, you know, you know, to be a designer, a software designer or something like that or design apps and so on could be very lucrative. And how about the, uh, yani the, the Qur'an and the language of the Qur'an? Since you mentioned software engineer, we've got to give a shout out to our tech team. Normally this is routine during our program. Still away, got the big thumbs up. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Brother Ali yeah. asks, uh, can you ask the Sheikh for advice on hifth? No. Memorizing, in other words. No. So, uh, the hifth, first of all, to, um, يعني, uh, uh, there's two ways, either if you're doing it yourself, but definitely the best way is to have a teacher, or at least to have a buddy that, that you revise with, to have consistency. Uh, to learn as well to learn how the correct way of, of, of memorizing uh, as well to, to, to have some knowledge of the Arabic language helps you to memorize the Quran and to understand what you're reading and when you start to understand and memorize then this comes hand in hand uh, another thing that يعني, is, is a continual uh, revision so try for example to uh, read what you have memorized in your salah and number one and on top of all these is qiyamul layl because they are that's the better the best way to to revise the quran uh for a person and as well not to rush too much in memorizing the quran to take it time and memorizing the quran so that it will uh, any portion of the quran so it will become um, more firm on a person and generally for example from my personal experience from what the little I have memorized of the Quran is that if you memorize a portion don't consider that you have memorized that until you sleep on it if you still remember it the next morning if you memorized it today and then you slip and then next morning revise it so there's that constant revision revise what you have memorized before you move to the next section and then, you know, to, to make a, a program of revision and memorizing. Uh, as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi That you have to continuously tie up the Qur'an. Make sure it's tight. Make sure the knot is, is, is tight. يعني, because uh, by the one in whose hand Muhammad saw is in, it will, the Quran will, will run away from you or flee from you more than uh, more than a camel will run away if it's not tied up properly. You know, so the Quran can you know don't be amazed with yourself of how much you've memorized even you memorize the entire Quran. How many people I, I yani I've heard of and I know personally that they memorized the Quran but because they didn't revise it, they forgot pretty much all of the Quran. And when they stand to lead the prayer, this is Hafiz or whatever, and he only reads specific verses or even short surahs that have uh, remained with him. As for the majority of the Quran, is is lost. That's what Allah Salaamu Brother Ali says, Jazakumullah Khairan, sound advice, I'll take it on board, bi'idhnillah. Shaykh, you know, um, you mentioned tying the animal there. No. Isn't it? In Australia, you don't see anyone tying the animal. No. They should go horse riding or something. No, they tie their dogs outside the cafe. 
True, true. <laughs> right, I'll take that back. They have been now, especially now they put the um the water yeah, containers in yeah. front of in certain no. areas. No. Not areas anyway. In areas, you see I haven't, it? I haven't seen it. Very rarely I've seen it in uh, in, in the Kettle Banks down now, there. The tech, our tech man is a bit of a... um. Bit of, a, bit of a coffee, you know? Coffee junkie. Coffee junkie. Which areas? Can, can you tell us where they have them? Last time I saw it, I saw it at, I saw it at um, was it Rhodes? Or Rhodes, maybe Rhodes. Anyway, Sheikh, back to that point. I never I never saw it until I went to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And I actually, there was a man who used to pray with us in the masjid. He used to come on a donkey uh-huh. and tie the donkey at the front of the masjid. <laughs> and I remembered, it's the first time I saw it, like... Uh-huh. Like legit, legit, yeah, yeah, not at the Eid show, or whatever. No, no, legit. <laughs> he tied the donkey. You know, they had donkey rides and pony rides, yeah. and, and some some rides. of them they, they 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 may be in the area where we were living for years, and they're still living how they were. Yeah. You find a, a man like an elderly man, yeah. Allah preserve him and give him good health and iman, uh, still riding his his animal yeah. after all these years. Well, that would solve a lot of the um, traffic issues uh, and the and the pollution especially issues. Especially in Cairo, yeah. You rather walk or ride a donkey over there? Yeah. Allah I think, yeah. Sheikh, uh, we've come to the end of tonight's program. I'd like to thank all our viewers, our listeners, that our tech team over here. Any final comments, Sheikh? Zakawallah khair. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us all steadfast on His Ameen. religion. For no steadfastness can begin except from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, you know, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقَوْلِ الثَّابِتِ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ وَيُضِلُّ اللَّهُ الظَّالِمِينَ وَيَفْعَلُ الله ما يشاء. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us steadfast upon his religion and not to turn us away from Islam uh, after he has guided us to Islam and not to turn us away from obedience after, after he has blessed us with obedience. Not to be of those as Allah discussed in the Quran. Do not be like the one who undid her sewing, her knitting after she had you know, sewn and woven taking taking it uh, off and this is uh, يعني, a, a person who turns away from Islam and away from the deen after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guiding him so this is a reality my dear brothers and sisters that no one can guarantee themselves that a person ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely and devoutly to keep him steadfast on the religion to accept from him his good deeds until we meet him subhanahu wa ta'ala and by his grace and his mercy that he accepts from us and he enters us into paradise and saves us from the hellfire. Allahu alam Is it permissible, Shaykh, or do you allow us to give you one more question? A few brothers, brother asked, a few brothers and myself are fasting shawal in its entirety. Is this permissible? If a person is doing that ta'abudan, and as a worship, believing that that is virtuous to fast all of shawal, then this is a bid'ah. Because the Prophet ﷺ didn't do that and he didn't instruct to fast all of Shawwal. But if a person is fasting Shawwal and he's fasting the month because he wants to increase in worship, generally not believing that it's virtuous to do such a thing, uh, then it could be because it's mubah to fast uh, even every day. But as long as a person does not believe that it's virtuous to do this in of itself. Wallahu ta'ala. Sheikh, what is your program at ASWJ Reesby for those wanting to attend the lessons there? Um, yani we have some um, uh, we have some uh, yani, uh, uh, dedicated lessons for the um, selected sort of students of knowledge um, 
but inshallah, I'm just in a process of negotiating a new time because of the other classes that we have on Tuesdays. I had them on Tuesdays before, but now I've got classes here in Belmore with the college there, the Duat College. Uh, so either I'm going to move to Tuesday or Thursday and then have another class on Tuesday. But for the general lessons we have on Friday, alhamdulillah, um, and we have some yani, more uh, uh, concentrating class on selected students of knowledge um, on other days. Um, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to bless and to accept. Um, but I got upset. What was that? From the, cl- from the questions. Because they asked Sheikh Muhammad Dora about his bid, and no one asked me about my bid. Sheikh, your bid is um, not long enough to be worried about. This is why some people should ask. They say, why is Sheikh, Jal- Sheikh Jalal's bid so short? To put it in context, the Sheikh is referring to, you know, we had a clip from Sheikh Muhammad's uh, lesson or program on the Sunnah, which was, no. alhamdulillah, very well accepted. And the most common question on all our social media pages is about Sheikh Muhammad's bid. There's no. positive and a lot of negative, a lot of ignorance mm. from the brothers and sisters. So we released a video asking the Sheikh, why is your bid you know, so long? Why have you got it so long Well, for? same thing. So Someone should ask me, why is your bid so short? So now, you know, Sheikh, why is your bid the way it is, Sheikh? We have to be fair. No. We don't discriminate. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Uh, sometimes some brothers they ask this question but indirectly then I ask it directly uh, they ask why is, why is your bid like that for? why is your bid so short Alhamdulillah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me to يعني, uh, يعني, Alhamdulillah be studying from when I was a, a young age Alhamdulillah even before my bid grew and so I had that commitment to grow my bid from my teenage years Alhamdulillah but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had ordained that I didn't have a full bead so Alhamdulillah I've never shaven my bead and even uh, yani this is the bead that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me with and I remember that when my fir- when my beads first started to appear when I was in high school in uh, you know the senior years of high school it would just grow as uh, sideburns and a little bit on the on the chin and they used to make fun I went to a public school had majority non-Muslims um, and they used to make fun of my they used to call them mut- mutton chops I used to I remember they called them so just uh, uh, so and they would tell me huh? I've heard other comments I can't repeat on air but yeah anyway. of course uh, we'll leave them <laughs> out but that's the most uh, G-rated we yeah. can go for, I used to actually even from the non-Muslims used to get a lot of and from the Muslims eh, it doesn't look uh, presentable that you know, it's just on the sideburns and bits so and on, pieces. bits and pieces. It's all uh, broken up. Why don't you shave it, and then wait until it grows fully, and then let and then leave it to grow? I said to them because Allah commanded me to leave my beard. Allah and even if my beard was only one strand, then I would leave it. There used to be a story that Allah alim the authenticity of the story that there was a Sahabi had one strand, and because it was only one strand beard, I don't know if you've seen some. People, especially some of the Asian people, that had Safi one strand, yep. and they said, uh, and and so he only had one, and he would see it as insignificant, and so he went and he cut it off. So it's it's only one strand. Be well, you know, it's like it's not even there. And then the story goes, you know, the angels were playing. Why'd you cut it? The angels would be playing with that with that strand. Allahu alam. Doesn't sound like a authentic story, but maybe the the brothers who are more uh, knowledgeable in hadith. Would, would benefit, but the pro, the point is that we are commanded to leave our bid, however it is, 
Inshallah, it's just I've, even there are some mashaykh, big mashaykh, who the, their beard doesn't grow. You know, sometimes only sideburns, sometimes only on their chin. Sometimes if you see them, especially on the recording, it doesn't look like they have a beard at all. Some, sometimes they have a beard, but it's very, very short. And so this is, you know, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests people in different ways. Some people, they, they want a big beard and Allah doesn't give them a big beard. They have just a patchy beard. I, I remember some of our Asian brothers, and they would say, you know, look at your beard, it's so big and so on. But the point is that this is, you know, everyone Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates them with. And even, you know, I go to a, a, a hair specialist and he said that, I said that people used to say, if you shave it, then it grow back. He said, no, this is an issue with your the nature of your hair. Even if you to shave it, it grow back the same. So even they try to trim because I have split ends. That's why. So once the hair splits, it doesn't grow anymore. So they tried even to trim the split ends to make it grow. It doesn't. It splits the same. So, yani, this is some people they say, oh, see, Sheikh Jalal trims his beard. Why don't the other Sheikh trim it? I don't. This is the length of my beard. So even if I trim the the split ends. It grows the same length. That's the that's the story. So that's the, and this goes back to the issue of Sheikh Muhammad or other brothers. We're commanded to leave our beads. So just as they ask Sheikh Muhammad, why, why is your beard so long? Sometimes they ask me, why, why is your beard? Why is your beard like that? Why is your beard so short? And there are other mashaykh, their, their beads as well. Don't grow like our Sheikh, Sheikh Khalid, Hafizullah. Doesn't grow so long. His brother, MashaAllah, Sheikh Zuhair, grows much longer. And some people, as they age, it grows longer. For at the end of the day, it's not what it's not important the appearance of the beard. What's important is following the commands of Allah and His Messenger, Sallallahu and staying away from the prohibitions that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has forbidden. That's that's the really the fine point there, the no. most important point there. It's not the length. Yes, we we are ordered to let it go. That's, no. We we understand that, no. but it's the obedience of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And that's what no. many people are missing out no. uh, when they're commenting. A lot of them are commenting without, based upon pure ignorance, because they haven't understood what the Sheikh was saying in the first place, mm-hmm. and they haven't understood what the ulama have said and and the accepted views. And this is the sad reality. Mm. But the most important point here is to obey Allah. And obey his messenger, sallallahu I'd like to apologize on behalf of the listeners for not asking about the beat. No, your beat. No, and I forgive those that have, uh, uh, and they even may, uh, even though we have a lot of sins and a lot of mistakes. Allahumma khfirli ma la ya'lamun, wa la tu'akhidni bima ya'kulun, wa khfirli ma la ya'lamun. Uh, but uh, uh, as well this is important why I like to share this story is that sometimes we have our young brothers as well who are like me and they have a keenness for Islam and so on they see the the big beard of some of the brothers and they want to have a big beard so they justify to themselves to shave their beard so they can grow out but this is we are not commanded to do that we're commanded to leave our beards however they grow and leave them and then, and then uh, some people even they never shave, but they grow out to be uh, very long beads. And some people they, يعني, they they shave it, and it's still this is what it grows to be. Alhamdulillah. Once again, Sheikh, I'd like to thank you for being with us. I'd like to thank all the brothers and sisters. No, who but, sorry, one, one more thing Hold about on. the appearance. For, for example, it. even when it comes to the sisters, when it comes to hijab, hijab isn't about appearance. Some they say, oh, if I wear hijab, I don't look pretty. Or some people they, I remember a relative of, uh, yani relatives of mine. 
her daughter put on the hijab. I know they're not very practicing. So I, as a test, I said to them, why is she put on the hijab for? She, she should take it off, just like as a, as a test. She says, no, haram, she looks good in it. <laughs> you know? So I said, see, yani only wear the hijabs because it looks, she looks better in it. Not that it's, because I know some of these people that wear hijab, they don't even pray. They don't, they they wear hijab because it's a culture. It's become a cultural thing. Sometimes even they put hijab because they know that it's more enticing for a possible suitor, because they know that most of the young Muslim boys they look for girls with hijab. But she is not practicing the religion in reality, and so this is the thing. Even hijab, it's not about putting on the hijab because it looks good, or not putting hijab because it doesn't look good. We put we we dress in a way as Muslim men, Muslim women. Because Allah commanded us to be to to do this, and we stay away from actions not because it looks good or doesn't look good, because Allah forbid us to wear this or to do this or to be present ourselves in this way. That's the end of the story, and that really goes back ties in with uh, a point that I want to make about life after Ramadan. Really, life after Ramadan it, may, it really goes back to the question: Is who are you? قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي My prayer and my sacrifice and my living and my death is for Allah. There is no partner with Him. And by that I was commanded and I am the first of the Muslims. Our life is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make your life for Allah. Make everything that you do in your life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, following his commands and trying to seek his pleasure. Jazakallah khairan. Barakallah fiqh, dear Sheikh Jalal. I'd like to thank all the brothers and sisters who tuned in. Insha'Allah we'll continue with more uh, in the upcoming days. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Barakallah fiqh, dear brothers and sisters. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.